Ashley Brock reading Diana Palmer's book, Donovan, Chapter 4. Just as Faye had feared, Donovan's first glimpse of her silk suit brought a scowl to his face. It's old, she said inadequately and looked miserable. She liked her fingers together and stared at him with a sadness all over her face. Shoved his hands into the pockets of his gray slacks. He was wearing a white cotton shirt and a blue blazer with him. A black Stetson cocked over one eye. Matching boots on his feet. He looked nice, but hardly elegant or wealthy. Her silk suit seemed to point out all the differences between the lifestyle she was used to and his own. You look very nice, he said quietly. And very expensive, she added on a curt laugh. I'm sorry. Why? I didn't want you to think I wore this on purpose, she said, faltering. He lifted an eyebrow and smiled mockingly. I'm taking you out for a Chinese dinner. A proposal of marriage doesn't come with the egg roll. She blushed firstly. I know that. <laughs> then why bother about appearance? He shrugged. A date is one thing. A serious relationship is something else. It's silver eyes new. Let's settle that at the onset. I have nothing serious or permanent in mind. Even if we wind up as the hottest couple in town between the sheets, there still won't be anything offered in the way of commitment. I knew that already, she said, stealing herself, not to react to the provocative statement. Good. He glanced around the apartment, frowning. This is pretty up. This is pretty Spartan, isn't it? Yeah, suddenly realizing how frugally she seemed to be living. It's all I can afford on my salary, she told him. She wrapped her arms around her breast and smiled. I don't mind it. It's just a place to sleep. Henry doesn't help you financially, he persisted. He can't, she explained. He's got his own financial woes. I'll be fine when he turns over my affairs to Mr. Holman and I can get to my trust. Donovan didn't say a word, but suddenly he was beginning to see things she apparently didn't. If Henry was having money problems, surely his control of his estate would give him the means of solving them, even if he had to pay her back later. The fact that he was suffering a reversal didn't bode well for Faye, but she seemed oblivious. Perhaps, like most rich women, she didn't know or care much about handling money. He was aware that he'd been silent a long time, took his hands out of his pockets and caught her slender fingers in his. They were cold like ice. We'd better go, he said, drawing her along with him. But he had never realized how exciting it could be to hold hands with a man. He linked her fingers into his as they walked, and she felt the sensual connection all the way to her toes. It was like walking on a cloud, she thought. She could almost float. Donovan was feeling something similar and fighting it tooth and nail. He hadn't really wanted this date at all, but something stronger than his will had forced him into it. They was delicious little morsel full of contradictions. He'd always liked puzzles. She was one he really wanted to solve, even if his inclination was to get her into the nearest bed with all possible haste. She had to be experienced. He'd never deny that. He wondered if pampered rich boys were as anatomic in bed as they seemed when he saw them at board meetings. His contempt for the upper class was, he knew, a result of his father's ruthless greed. He could still barely believe the whole episode, his father running bell-mail after a woman half his age, when his wife of 20 years was barely in her grave. It had disgusted and shocked him and led him to a confrontation of a stellar proportions. He hadn't spoken to his father afterward, and his presence at his father's funeral two years later was only a nod to conversation. It wasn't until much later that he learned why Rand Langley had been so ruthless. It had been to save the family ranch, which had been Langley land for three generations. Not that it had excused what he'd done, but it did at least explain it. Rand had wanted Donovan to inherit the ranch, 
marrying money had been the only way he could keep it. You're very quiet, Faye remarked on the way to Houston. Are you sorry you asked me out? He like, no, I was remembering. Yes? He was smoking one of the small cigars he favored, his gray eyes thoughtful, as they lingered on the long road ahead. My father disgraced himself to marry money to keep the ranch for me and my children. If I ever have any, ironic that I've never married and never want to because of him. She folded her hands primarily in her lap, primly in her lap, and flattened her. It flattened her that he was willing to tell her something so personal. It flattered her that he was willing to tell her something so personal. If you don't have children, what will happen to your ranch? She asked. I've got a ten-year-old nephew, he said. My sister's boy. His father's been dead for years. My sister remarried three years ago, and she died last year. Her husband got custody, but he's just remarried. And last month, he stuck Jeffrey in a military school. The boy's in trouble constantly, and he hates his stepfather. Took a long draw from the cigar, scowling. That's why I was sitting in that bar the night you walked in. I was trying to decide what to do. Jeff wants to come out here and live with me. Can't he? He shook his head. No chance. His stepfather and I don't get along. He, he'd more than likely refuse just to get at me. His new wife is pregnant, and he doesn't seem to care about Jeff at all. That's sad, she said. Does he miss his mother? He never talks about her. Probably because he cares too much, she said. I miss my parents, she added on quickly. They died in a plane crash. Even I never saw much of them. They were still my parents. What do you mean you never saw much of them? She laughed softly. They liked traveling. I was in school, and they didn't want to interrupt my education. I stayed at home with an elderly great aunt. She liked me very much, but it was kind of lonely, especially during holidays. She stared out the window where it was scary stare. If I ever have kids, I'll be where they are, she said suddenly, and they won't ever have to spend Christmas without me. I suppose, began to there are some things money won't buy. An endless list, she agreed, beginning and ending with love. He chuckled softly to lighten the atmosphere. He glanced sideways at her. Money can buy love, you know, he murmured. Well, not really, she disagreed. It can buy the illusion of it, but I won't call a time session in bed love. He burst out laughing. No, he said after a minute. I don't suppose it is. They say that type of experience is less than satisfying. I wouldn't know. I couldn't find any pleasure in the body. I had to pay for it. I can understand that. There was a pleasant tension in the silence that dropped between them. Minutes later, Donovan pulled up in front of a Chinese restaurant and cut off the entry. This is it, he said, and he helped her out of the car and escorted her inside. It was a very nice restaurant with Chinese music playing softly in the background and elegant service. Donovan watched her covertly as he sampled the jasmine tea the waitress sent through. Tell me about your job. How does it feel to work for a living? Her eyes brightened and she smiled. I like it very much, she confessed. I've never been responsible for my own life before. I've always had people telling me what to do and how to do it. The night I met you at the bar really opened my eyes. You made me see what my life was like. Showed me that I could change it if I wanted to. I wasn't kidding when I said you turned my world around. I thought the job was a means to an end. He confessed, smiling as he's at his own folly. I've been chased before, and by well-to-do women who saw me as a challenge. You're not bad-looking, she said demurely, burning eyes. And you're very much a man. But I meant it when I said I wasn't chasing you. I have too much pride to behave that way. 
Probably she did. He liked her honesty. He liked the way she looked and dressed, too. She wasn't beautiful, but she was elegant and well-mannered, and she had a big heart. He found himself wondering how Jeff would react to her. They ate in a pleasant silence and talked about politics and the weather, everything except themselves. All too soon, it was time to start back from Jacobsville. How are you and your uncle getting along? Donovan asked on the way back. We speak and not much more. Uncle Henry's worried about something, she added. He gets more nervous by the day. He never thought of her uncle as a nervous man. Perhaps it had something to do with Faye's inheritance. Suppose you inherit only a few dollars and an apology. Yeah, suddenly. She laughed. That isn't likely. But if it was? She thought about it seriously. It would be hard, she confessed. I'm not used to asking the price of anything or denying myself a whim purchase. But like anything else, I expect I could get used to it. I don't mind hard work. He nodded. It would make her life easier. Turned off onto a farm road just outside of Jacob. Where are we going? She asked, glancing around at unfamiliar terrain. I'm going to show you my ranch, he said simply. His eyes glanced over her, and he smiled with me. Then I'm going to show you. Then I'm going to shove you into the hen house and have my way with you. Do you have a hen house? She asked excitedly. Yes, and a flock of chickens to go with it. I like fresh eggs. He didn't add that. He often had the budget in between cattle sales, even on the good salary he made. I guess you have your own beef, too, she asked. Not for slaughter, he replied. I like animals too much to raise one to kill. Mesa Blanca has a slaughter cattle, but I don't spend any more time around them than I have to. The picture she was getting of him didn't have a lot to do with the image he projected. An animal lover with a core of steel was unusual. Do you have dogs and cats? He smiles with it. And puppies and kittens, he said. I give them away when the population gets out of control. When most of mine are neutered, it's criminal to turn any unneutered animal loose on the streets. He slowed as the road curve toward a simple white frame house. Ever had a dog or cat of your own? No. She said sadly, my parents weren't animal lovers. My mother would have fainted at the thought of a cat hair on her Louis Gucci's furniture. I'd rather have the cat than the furniture, he remarked. She smiled. So would I. His heart lifted. She wasn't at all what he expected. He pulled up in front of the ranch house and cut off the engine. There were flowers everywhere, from shrubs to trees to beds of them, right and left around the porch. She could see them by the fierce light of the almost full moon. How beautiful, she explained. Thank you. You planted them? Nobody else. I like flowers, he said defensively as he got out and helped her out of the car. I didn't say a word, she assured him. I like flowers, too. He unlocked the front door while she glanced covertously along the long front porch at the old-fashioned swing and rocking chair. Somewhere nearby, cattle made pleasant mooing noises. Do you keep a lot of cattle here? She asked. I have purebred Santa Gritas, he told her. Stud cattle, not beef cattle. Why doesn't that surprise me? She teased, he laughed. Standing aside to let her enter the house, the living room was done in early American, and it looked both neat and lived in. For a bachelor, he was a good housekeeper. She said so. Thanks, but I can't take all the credit. My foreman's wife looks after things when I can't. She was insanely jealous of the foreman's wife all over once. So expression smiled. She's 50 and happily married. She blushed, moving further into the room. Look out, he warned. Before the words went silent, her foot was attacked by a tiny ball of fur with teeth. Good heavens, she explained laughing. A miniature tiger, she kidded. I'm training her to be an attack cat. I call her B. B? He grinned. Short for a bit, Bob. Can't imagine what she did to the curtains a day or so ago.
She reached down and picked up the tiny thing, looked up at her with a calico face and the softest, most loving blue-green eyes she'd ever seen with black fur outlining them. Why? She's beautiful, she exclaimed. I think so. The kitten's eyes half closed as it began to purr and knead her jacket with its tiny paws. <sighs> She'll pick the silk, he said, reaching for the kitten. She looked at him curiously. That doesn't matter. She said, surprised by his comments. So her eyes registered his own surprise as they looked deeply nerd. That suit must have cost a small fortune, he persisted. He extracted the kitten, disposed of despite her protests, and carried it into the bedroom, closing the door behind him. Want some coffee? he asked. That would be nice. It will only take a minute or so. He tossed his hat onto the hat rack and went into the kitchen. Bay wandered around the living room, stopping out a photograph on the mantel. It was of a young boy, a studio pose. He looked a lot like Donovan, except that his eyes were dark and he had more rounded face. He looked sad. That's Jeff, he told her from the doorway. He leaned against it, waiting for the coffee to brew. His long legs were crossed, like his arms, and he looked very masculine and sexy, with his jacket off and the top buttons of his shirt unfastened over a thicket of jet black hair. He favors you, she remarked. Did your sister look like you? Quite a lot, he said, but her eyes were darker than mine. Jeff has his father's eyes. What is he like, kids? She asked. I mean, is he a sports fan? He doesn't care much for football. He likes martial arts, and he's good at them. He's a blue belt in Taekwondo, a Korean martial art that concentrates on kicking styles. Isn't that a demonstration demonstration sport in the sport Summer Olympics? He smiled. Bro. Yes, it is. Jeff hopes to be able to participate in the 1996 Summer Games in Atlanta. A group of Olympians worked very hard to get the games to come there. She recalled, one of my friends worked in the archives at Georgia Tech. A lot of the people on campus were active in that community. You don't have many friends here, do you? Yes. Abby Ballinger is my friend, she corrected, and I get along well with the girls at the office. I met friends in your own social class. She put the picture of Jeff back on the mail. I never had friends in my own social class. I don't like their idea of fun. Don't you? He moved closer. His hand slid around her waist from behind and tugged her against him. His cheek nuzzled her roughly. What was their idea of fun? Sleeping around, she said roughly. That's suicide these days. All it takes is the wrong partner and you can die. I know. His lips slid down her long, elegant neck. His tongue tip found the artery at her throat and pressed there, feeling it accelerate wildly as it, at his touch. His fingers slid to her slender hips and dug in. Welding her to his hard thighs. Donovan, she whispered unsteadily. His hands flattened on her stomach, making odd little motions that sent tremors down her long legs and a rush of warmth into her bloodstream. She didn't act very experienced. The camouflage was only good at long range. Not as he drank in the grandarious scent of her skin. Should have been disappointed because he wanted her badly tonight, but something inside him was elated at his growing suspicion that she was innocent. He had to find out if it was true. Turn your mouth up for me, Faye, he whispered at her chin. I want to taste an undermine. 
The word sent thrills down to her toes and curled them. Blind death, she raised her face and turned it, feeling the sudden warm pressure of his mouth on her parted lips. Wasn't at all what he expected. The contact was explosive. He'd been in complete control until he touched her. Now suddenly he was fighting to keep his head at all. He turned her in his arms and caught his breath. As he felt her body melt hungrily into his. Shouldn't have happened like this. He could barely think. His hands bit into the backs of her thighs and lifted her, pulling at her. Needing the close contact as he never needed anything, his legs began to tremble as his body went taut and capable, and his hands became ruthless. Faye moaned. Never at any time in her life had she felt such a sudden, vicious fever of longing. She could always pull back. Until now, with a tiny gasp, she lifted her arms around his neck and gave in completely. She felt him against her stomach, knew that he was already painfully aroused. She couldn't manage enough willpower to deny him. Whatever the cost, whatever the risk, he was giving her a kind of pleasure she never dreamed of experiencing. He invaded the silk jacket in the blouse she wore under it. He unbuttoned them and drew the fabric aside, seconds before his mouth went down against the bare curve of her breast above her lacy burl. She'd never been touched like that. She clung to him, shivering, as his lips became ruthless, his face rubbing the bra strap aside so he could nuzzle down far enough to find the hard, warm nipple. She cried out. It was beyond bearing. Sensation upon hot sensation. Anguish. Joy. Her fingers tangled in his thick, dark hair. Pulled at it as he suckled her in a silence, throbbing with need. You taste of Gardena's. He breathed her. Soft and sweet. But his hands were as urgent as his voice. He unfastened her bra and slid it along with her half-unbuttoned jacket and blouse, right down to her waist. His glazed eyes lingered for one long minute on the uncovered pink and made beauty of her naked breasts, with her crowns hard and tip-tilted. Then his mouth and his hands were touching them, and she was glorying in his own pleasure and the sweet delight of his door. So beautiful, he whispered as he drew his face hovers on her. Faye, you make my body throb. Feel it. Feel me. One hand went to get one hand went to gather her hips close to his to emphasize what he was saying. She moaned and searched blindly for his mouth, inviting a kiss as deep and arrogant as the hand to join her soft breast and the stillness of the room. Little one, he said, You know what's gonna happen between us now. Do you want me? Yes, he whispered awkwardly, hanging at his lips. His body shivered. With his blatant need, it had never been so urgent before with any woman. Do you have anything to use? Are you on the pill? She hesitated. No. No. The word echoed to his sway in mind. No. She wasn't protected. He could have her, but he could also make her pregnant. Pregnant? He said something explicit and embarrassing. Then he put his hands on her upper arms and thrust her away from him. He went blindly toward the kitchen and slammed the door behind him. Faye sat down on the sofa, fastening hooks and buttons with hands so unsteady that she missed half the buttons and had to start over. It was a long time before she was back in order again. And only a few seconds after that, Donovan came in with a tray of coffee. She couldn't look at him. She knew her face looked like rice paper. She was still trembling visibly, too. Her mouth red and swollen, her breathing erratic and irregular. He put a cup of black coffee in front of her without saying anything. She didn't raise her eyes when she felt the soft depression near her. She reached for the cup, barely able to hold it for the unsteadiness of her icy fingers. A big warm hand came to support hers. She looked up. His eyes weren't angry at all. They were faintly curious and almost affectionate. 
thank you. She stammered as she sipped the hot black liquid. He smiled, a real smile, not a mocking one. She's using, you're welcome. I'm so sorry, she began nervously. Put a long finger over something. No, I am. I shouldn't have let it go so far. You were angry, she said suddenly, her eyes glancing with sheer embarrassment off his, off him before they felt her come. It was hotter than I've been in years, and I had to stop, he said simply without angry. It doesn't put a man in a sparkling mood, let me tell you. Oh, he leaned back and sipped his own coffee, his eyes quaking faintly, acquisitive. Why are you still a virgin? He asked suddenly. The coffee cup made a nosedive, and she only just caught it in time. Her gaze hit his, which staggered it back. What did you say? <laughs> you heard me, he accused of you can't even put on an act, can you? The second I touch you intimately, you're mine. She pushed the weight from it in. She invited, oh, I intend to, he said with malice glee. I'm not sure I've ever made love to a virgin in my life. It was fascinating. You just, got, you just go right in at first, don't you? They're not even... There's not even a sense of self-preservation in you. She glared at him. Have that fun? Sure. He rested his arm over the back of the sofa, and his gaze was slow and through and thorough as he fell to her breasts and watched her soft rifle. Pretty little creature, he mused, all pink and dust. You stop that, J.D. Langley, she muttered loudly. It isn't decent to even talk about it. One eyebrow went up. This, this is the 90s, he muttered. Wonderful, she told him. Life is liberal. No more rules and codes of behavior. No wonder the world's a mess. He leaned back, chuckling. As it happens, I agree with you. Rules aren't a bad thing. When they prevent the kind of insanity that's gripping the world today. But periodically, people have to find out, find that out for themselves. Ever heard of the Roaring Twenties? He added. Gin flowered like water, women smoked, sexual transmitted diseases ran rapid because everybody was promiscuous. <laughs> You're getting the idea, but it's nothing new. People have cycles. When rules were suspended, even back in the Roman Empire, there were orgies and every evil known, every evil known to man thrived. Then society woke up and the cycle started all over again. The only certain thing in life, Miss York, is change. I suppose so, but it's disencouraging. <laughs> Maybe you haven't heard, but the majority of people in this country feel exactly the same way you do, he said. America is still a very moral place, little one, but it's what's different. But it's what's different that makes news, not what's traditional. I see, she's wrong. That's encouraging. You come from wealth, all that you don't have an exaggerated sense of morality to go with it. You mean because I was rich, I should be greedy and pleasure-loving and indifferent to my fellow man? She's... Actually, that's a stereotype. I get the picture. He stared at her silently, his eyes growing dark with memory. I wanted you like hell, but in a way, I'm glad you aren't on the pill. She had him curious. He didn't sound glad. Wanting hurts a man when he can't satisfy it, he exclaimed matter-of-factly. But you weren't on the pill, and I didn't have anything with me to protect you from pregnancy. That's one risk I'll never take. She smiled at him. I feel the same way. His eyes won't. We better not create any accidental people, he said up softly. That's why I stopped that, he added. And the fact that I'm too old-fashioned to dishonor a chase woman. Go ahead, laugh, be invited. But it's how I feel. Oh, Donovan, you are a throwback to another time, she said Emily. There's no place on earth 
for us. <laughs> Why, sure there is, honey. He just disagreed. I'll carry you to a church with me on Sunday and prove to you that we're not alone in the way we think. Listen, it's the radicals who are the minority. He lingered, but the radicals are the ones who make news. Sheila, I guess so. I'd like to go to church with you, she said Charlie. I haven't been in a long time. Her housekeeper used to let me go to services with her. But when she quit, I had no way to get there. It was better. It was before I was old enough to drive. <laughs> Poor little rich girl, he said, but he smiled, and the words sounded affectionate. She smiled back. Everything had changed. Suddenly, she looked at him and knew without question that she could love him if she was ever given the chance. He reached down to her. Let's go. And from now on, stay out of lonely ranch houses within the Morris Bachelors. Got that? You were the one who dragged me here, she exclaimed. That's right, blame it all on me. He agreed after he put the coffee things away, then escorted her out the door. It's always the man who leads the sweet innocent girl into a life of sin. She frowned. Isn't it the woman who's supposed to lead the innocent man into it? He raised both eyebrows as he locked the door. There aren't any innocent men. I like Lee's story. What about priests and monks? He said, well, other than them, he conceded. I like your house, she said. He opened the car door for him. I like it, too. He got in and started the engine, pausing to glance away. We may be heading for a fall, but I'm game if you are. Game? She asked blankly. He slid a lean hand under her nap and brought her face under his very gently, bent to kiss her with tenderness and respect. In the old days, he was, they called it courting. She felt a wave of feet rush over her wide eyes. She stared helplessly up at him. He nodded his face on that's right. I said I didn't believe in marriage, but there's always the one woman who could make a man change his mind. His eyes dropped him off. I want Jeff. If I'm married, I'd have a good chance of getting him. But you and I could give each other a lot, too. If you're willing, we'll start spending time together and see where it leads. I'm rich, she began accidentally. Don't worry. I won't hold it against you. He whispered, smiling as he kissed her again. What he didn't mention was that he had his own suspicions about her future. He didn't think she was going to inherit anything at all, and that would be, and that would put her right in his league. She'd be lost and alone, except for him. When the boom fell, too sweet and biteable, and he wanted her. Jeff needed a stable environment. It wouldn't hurt his chances with the new president of Mesa Blanca to be a settled family man either, but that was only a minor concentration. Jeff came first. He'd worry about the complications later. Right now, he was going to get in over his head for once without looking too closely at his motives. End of chapter four.